This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Well, it is 12 o'clock exactly. Welcome to it. This is the DL Link Show. And I'm Nikki Seberini, and I am very, very excited to be with you on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday. This is the show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. Of course, the DL Link is a brilliant organization. It was founded all the way back in 2010 by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Atsula. And they thought long and hard about a, a space that needed filling in terms of providing a nurturing space where patients faced with cancer, as well as their families, um, where they have a place where they can find support, emotional support. And um, they just continue in 2017 to do what they do and impact so beautifully and positively on the community. And so we're delighted every week to be able to bring you a show about people, their lives, what they overcome, all sorts of new treatments. And um, I, I do hope that you are enjoying the show. I always say we love to hear from you. You know, we want to hear your stories. We want to get your input. So please do feel free to give us a call or you can SMS us. And uh, the number that you can SMS us on is 34519. So we have a, a very interesting show um, on today and I'm just seeing all of our guests arriving. Yes, yes, we have a quite a fascinating show because it based on a, a, a a cup of coffee that I had with a friend of mine and um, this morning we were having a cup of coffee and we were talking about how our pasts, how our childhood shapes our future, shapes who we are and has such a huge impact and sometimes a hugely positive impact on who we are and sometimes um, a very negative impact. And so my friend and I started to talk about that and how does one move forward? How does one live in the present? How does one move forward and very importantly in order to get over things in order to get over traumas or in order to get over past experiences does one have to delve does one have to go back to childhood or to that particular experience in order to get over it, in order to heal, in order to move on. And different psychologists would obviously have um, different theories about whether it's important to or whether it's not important to. And we really are going to be unpacking that today. We're going to be talking about how do we overcome issues from our childhood, from our past, and how do we move forward do we need to go and analyze or don't we? And so the the expert um, in the studio today is Tracy Farber, who will be chatting with us. And then we have two extraordinary women who uh, I'm so delighted have decided to come into the studio. Um, and they have had really traumatic experiences and huge losses in their lives. And they sit here today, these beautiful women with peace, with smiles, because they've come together and they've found a way of being in this world. So let me expand on that. Our expert in the studio is Tracy Farber, who is a clinical psychologist. She's completing a PhD in psychology. And the focus of her research is the long 
long-term impact of trauma on Holocaust survivors. And then our two amazing women um, combined our warriors, and they are indeed warriors um, who are in the studio. Gabby de Groen, um, who is a foundation member of the worst club in the world, and Denise Golden, who also not only is a breast cancer survivor, but also founder of the worst club in the world. And if you haven't heard what that club is all about, we're going to be expanding on that a little bit later. So we're really going to get into it. I'd love, as I said, to hear from you. Do you think it's necessary to overcome trauma, to overcome agony, to overcome the anxiety that we've had experiences of? Do we need to go back to that or are we able to move forward? So let me start off by um, introducing Tracy. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. It Thank is you. always lovely to have you on the show. Thank you very much. And I just want to say that to our other guests, we don't necessarily have to wear the earphones. If we have people calling in, we can hear them. If we don't, it doesn't matter if we don't have the earphones. Fantastic. So, Tracy, I'm not sure if you heard my introduction. I think it's so relevant for you as well, because if you're looking at the long-term trauma of Holocaust survivors. We're looking at long-term trauma. I mean, I, I said we're shaped by our past, right? Our childhood, our the early development stages, and things that have happened in our past. Do we need to go back? Do we need to really go back to those experiences in order to overcome them? Okay. Your thoughts. Okay. So my thoughts are obviously from my point of view, which is really the perspective that I sit in in psychology. Um, and let me just say there will be lots of different opinions. Mm, mm. And what I looked at was the long-term impact of trauma on children because the people, the survivors that I um, interviewed were children or teenagers during the Holocaust. And obviously that's a very extreme example of trauma. And part of what I had to research was what is resilience? How's resilience built up? How do people cope with resilience? And I just want to say that I have huge respect and admiration for the two women mm -hmm. who I've never met before, who I see here. I speak as a professional, but with a lot of humility, because I think they have their own wisdom to contribute here that is above and beyond anything that, that, that intellectually one can explain. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to use my, my, my base of experience as a researcher. And as a psychologist to say that what we know is that people react differently to trauma depending on who they are. And even with Holocaust survivors, we have different reactions within that group. And the reason is that everybody's different. Everybody's born differently, different with different genetic makeup in terms of body strength, intelligence, um, the time that they were born in the family. That's the first thing. The second thing is that everybody has a different developmental history. In other words, there's some children who much more bonded with parents. There may be other children who were born when their mother had postnatal depression or when there was a death in the family. And so the bonding may be a bit different. And so we, I, I'd like to, for the purposes of our discussion, make a distinction or a difference between children who've been physically or sexually abused or children who've lost a parent or witnessed violence or abuse in their childhood. Why the difference? Two. Not, not trauma, trauma, loss. 
two, two, I want to just to, to make that difference to people who have in adulthood got cancer, had an ex- a, a car accident, even been abused in adulthood in okay, some kind okay. of a way. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm saying is that when children go through trauma or abuse, they're much more vulnerable. They're physically smaller. They don't understand necessarily what's going on. They're much more helpless. And we know that trauma has an impact on personality as a child grows up. And when you have, uh, 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 when we know that when children come, and this is research-based evidence, that when children come from a home where they feel stable, where there is some level of attachment, even if it isn't a perfect attachment, they have much more of an ability to get through trauma. And it was like that even with some of the survivors that I interviewed. When they came from a home where they felt, where where there was stable attachment, they managed better than, say, a child who lost a a parent in the Holocaust or or a parent before the Holocaust started. So when you were interviewing these children, these people who were children and teenagers at the time, you were going prior, you were going to the early childhood, you wanted to find out. That's what I did. Because, and then I went into all the research before. So what I'm saying is that when, that if you're asking the question, if an adult is very depressed and traumatized and the history of the trauma was in their childhood, Mm -hmm. then yes, I think there is a need to understand how that early life impacted on them. But I think that if you have an adult who's struggling with trauma because they've, God forbid, had cancer or breast removed or something like that, they won't need to go back to anything specific in their childhood if they came from a, from a home that was fairly solid. And people who come from solid homes are more resilient. We know this from the research that's been done. Wow. In other words, they have an ability to adapt better. They have problem-solving abilities that are better. And they tend to manage hope and access hope a lot better than children who have had excessive exposure to loss and trauma in their early years. So we're going to break in a moment, but let me just ask you this, Tracy. For those children and teenagers who were experienced the Holocaust at that age and they've now grown up and they've had families, what about the trauma being passed on? So if they haven't been able to work through that trauma, the trauma is still there because it's all about what do we do with that trauma? Yes. What do we do with that experience? What yes. do we do with that loss? Yes. Um, are we just, are we getting over it? Is there some way of doing it so that it dissipates and yes. we don't carry it through to the next generation? So the question that I'm asking you is, is having the discussion with them now, they've maybe had kids, grandchildren as well. Do you think that part of that trauma is passed on? Yes, I do think that the trauma's passed on, but I, I also want to say that a lot of these survivors and a lot of people who've been through trauma are also very resilient. So we can't look at their vulnerability without also acknowledging the huge amount of resilience. And a lot of them were affected differently. There were some who had more symptoms of post-traumatic stress. There were some who coped better in their marriages um, and coped better as parents. Of course, that's why I'm saying that the early history Everything is, is so right. important. Okay. okay. Thank you for that, Tracy. Let's take a break, um, and we're going to be right back. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. 
Welcome back to the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. So I came across a quote and it said, if you don't leave your past in the past, it will destroy your future. Live for what today has to offer, not for what yesterday has taken away. Is that something that we should find inside a bubblegum wrapper? Um, Tracy, is there you know, truth to this? Nikki, I'm, I'm trying you know to what? say, how do we move forward? How do we live and, in this present moment? And you know what? Ma, I am, from what I've read and from what I understand, I'm a very humble professional. I don't sit here as a priestess or someone who feels that they need to dictate to others how to live their life. Right. There'll be a lot of people who've survived terrible trauma who I've spoken to who've never had therapy, but who've found a way of finding meaning in their suffering, who give to others, who do charity, who find a way of reaching other people who's suffering, who've worked through a lot. And so I think everybody has their way. There are some people who believe that you know, I, I mean, the best example I can give you is post-traumatic stress. If a person's been through a trauma and they're having a lot of flashbacks, nightmares, and they're very depressed, then for them it's very necessary to go back and into the past and to tell their story. What the, is that doing? Does that release it? It, it releases and I'm going to quickly explain how and why. Okay. That when we keep our stories to ourselves alone, they often get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Some people detach emotionally mm-hmm. from their story because the trauma is so bad. But we know from research and from neuroscience that br- the brain is affected by trauma. That if you're going to take a badly traumatized person and someone who hasn't been, there are differences in the brain. And what's been demonstrated is that the part of the brain that is affected is, is the amygdala. And um, and parts of the brain that have to do with feeling and speech. And so the sure. act of actually speaking the story out, giving the details, crying about it, if that's what the person wants to do, it, do, it, it, it does have a, thera- a therapeutic um, benefit for the body and mm. for the mind okay. in a very, very concrete way. But having said that, I would never force someone to talk. It's not the only way. People get better through exercise. People get better in there from community support. And I'm saying I, I believe in therapy. I've seen it help many, many people, but it isn't for everybody. Mm. And I think that what you said is so interesting, Tracy. And you said we're all so different mm. and we handle the trauma or loss differently. And it's in fact the discussion I was having outside with Denise and Gabby before we came in, um, because I'd like to introduce them at this point yes. because it was Gabby who turned around and said, because they've, they've experienced such tremendous loss. And Gabby said, we all deal with it differently. Absolutely. We all have a completely different way of responding. But what is interesting is that this, this club was formed and it's a process of, of giving, um, you know, this, this wanting to then help others, which we'll yes. go into as well because neuroscience talks as well about the kind of um, hormones that are released when we as human beings give. Absolutely. So when you, the, the trauma, the loss, to then be able to turn around, how often do I have dear link warriors sitting here who talk about cancer, all of us, it, it gave them this meaning and all they wanted to do was to give mm. back and to help others. Fascinating. And it, and it is so admirable. In my experience of working with people who suffered from cancer, the, the level of fear 
and the level of isolation is huge. Mm. And for them to be able to connect with and see other people who've survived is a, is an incredibly giving and yeah. hopeful experience. Yeah. And I'm going to hand Amazing. over to them. Thanks, thanks, Tracy. So I'd like to welcome Gabby, Gabby Dukrun. Um Gabby, you and I have known one another for years. We Absolutely do we do go back in time. So it's lovely yes. to have you in the studio. Schemes. Send you all my love. Thank lip you. schemes, really, to when I was but a little girl a little in my girl. Fairways Primary School uniform. Absolutely. And and Lawrence, your brother. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and Denise Golden, who we had on the show, and I've chatted with Denise a number of times. We've spoken about your story, Denise. So to meet you face to face is really a privilege. Thank you, Nikki. And welcome, Denise. Thank you. Welcome. And it is a, it is a humbling experience, really, to be in the presence of people who, who have experienced such loss. It's difficult for me who have, I haven't come close to that kind of loss and that kind of experience. And so to, to, to sit opposite you both and try and understand is impossible. I cannot possibly understand what it is to face that loss. Denise, you lost your son, Brett. He was murdered. We've, we've discussed the horrific story. Right. Your husband, you lost. And you yourself then faced breast cancer. And Gabby, you've lost two children as well. Yeah. Maybe you can just tell us, because Denise has shared her story before, if you can tell us what, what happened with, with the loss of, of your two children. Well, my first, uh, darling girl, Lauren, was actually hijacked in Santon in a shopping center and um, I'll skip it a bit but 10 years down the line my son Jonty through the years I don't think could cope with the trauma so he unfortunately took to a very bad crowd of people and started mixing with you know drug drug dealers mm-hmm. and he got hooked onto heroin and unfortunately that was his demise he had a, he was poisoned by the Nigerians because he owed them a lot of money. And that was my, um, catastrophe, I call it, mm. basically, without seeming to be a drama queen. No, such. you're not a, did not but a drama queen. I remember seeing a very nice therapist after I'd lost my son, John T, because I hadn't had therapy really after Lauren. And I was, in fact, working throughout that. And but Jonty, you know, I think put the lid on it when mm-hmm. I was two that I lost. Mm-hmm. And I met this wonderful Indian man, and he was so sweet. I, I actually had to go into hospital because I also hadn't dealt with it particularly. It was too much to have lost the second, and I actually had to go in for some treatment. And this man said to me, "My dear, what you've been through, it's not a tragedy; it's a catastrophe." A catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And what? And he was a wonderful loving, compassionate human being and he helped me get get on track. It is a catastrophe. Yes, it was Your a catastrophe. Life. Without see as I said to be that lost every drama queen, you oh, know, oh, oh me, me, ah, oh, oh, poor me oh. story. And then a couple of years later I had the loss of a, a brother who died from a heart attack at the age of fifty eight. And they lost both my parents. So I, I call it actually very similar to Denise because she's lost so many loved ones in her family. It's, it's almost a, I've lost a, almost like a holocaust of, of, mm. of my, my entire family. Mm. I mean, not everybody, but a brother and two children and my parents. And uh, yet I can get up every morning, not every morning, <laughs> get up, put on my makeup and go forth. And go do. And go do. do. 
you 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 spoke a little bit earlier. I mean, we said you know everyone handles it differently. Yes. So with Lauren, after Lauren, you said you didn't go for treatment. No, I didn't go for treatment. I was um, then married to my first husband, Josta Um He was the father of both my children, and he took it in a completely different way to me. He was he was he was very bad. Um, he had a stroke consequently after that. And I took, I took it the other way. I went back to work two weeks later. And for 10 years, I worked myself to smithereens. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was my, that was my help, so to speak. And I hadn't had therapy. I didn't need any, any medication. And you didn't feel like you needed to talk about it. You didn't need to work through. In work fact, was good for you. In fact, it was embarrassing how much I had to talk about it. I, I would be sitting next to a stranger and oh, I'd really? tell them the story and they'd run for their lives. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember going to one of my clients the next, the next in the, within the weeks. In those days, I was in the corporate world and I arrived with a cake and this gentleman was a very nice man. And, um, but not ready for my story. With the, with, with the, with the end re- result, he ran for his life. And in those days I was in the promotional advertising business and he gave me the hugest order. Did he? <laughs> in sort of, you know, trying to be sympathetic and compassionate about it, but he couldn't talk about it. He ran for his life. In fact, I don't think I ever saw him again. How, and I have to see the funny side of it because, you know. Because I love that you, you're seeing the funny you've side got to of see, it. In, you've got to have black humor even in your worst time. Mm. You know, it, and that's lucky that I've been blessed with that. And I think Denise is the same. Also Denise. Yeah. And, you know, so mm-hmm. there are days that, that in those days when you have that black humor, it's, uh, it helps. Other people reacting Because as I said a little bit earlier It's so difficult sitting here I haven't faced that loss I haven't faced what you've had to face And you, people are coming up to you And they're giving their condolences oh, the, And they're saying what they, Maybe the right thing Or they're saying maybe the wrong thing How did you handle that? No, I'll tell you, you what, you, what my, my memory was That there again the black humor came into it um, People would come through the door With those funeral faces and I would sit, I remember saying to my stepson, Saul de Grun, in those days, he's not in this country anymore. And I said, here's coming, here's another one coming with a funeral face. And then 10 minutes later, they're all laughing and telling jokes. And there you've just lost your child. Mm. But you had to, I had to see the funny mm. face because they were walking mm. through the door with, with, truly with the funeral faces, which mm. you can understand, I mm-hmm. suppose. Mm-hmm. And that was the day where I sort of had a giggle. I mean, throughout, in between my grief, um, as I said, everybody takes it, does it in a, you know, it's in a different, in a different way. way. And you cannot say a word, like the, like the rabbis say, do not say one word when you go and see a person that's in mourning. And that's very helpful because you can say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You can really trigger some mm-hmm. worse off pain. Absolutely, absolutely. So, as I said, we have to still look at the, the good side of it. And the side is that we still been equipped to get up in the morning, get dressed, put on our makeup. Days that there are days that you want to just lie in bed, and days I do. Do you? Yes, I can close that you door know. with my two dogs mm-hmm. and just read a book. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. We're going to take a break, Gabby. I think you're extraordinary. Let's take a quick break. And Denise, I want to hear how you respond. Do you, you said you have this black humor every now and then, but (laughs) at that time, how was it? Um, Because of course you then formed this club, which we're going to talk about. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Lifelinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. Welcome back and thank you so, so much for staying tuned to the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination brought to you by 101.9 High FM 25 minutes past 12 o'clock. If you would like to add um, any of your insights or stories to this conversation, please feel free. We'd also love to hear from you via um, SMS 34519. Uh, I, I've just remembered that our, our phone lines aren't working, so please just rather SMS 34519. Denise, before the break, I mean, Gabby had this way of of dealing with it she found the humor she spoke about the funeral faces when people walked in what and you can laugh i mean what what was it like for you very much the same really mm, very mm. much the same gabby and i both have these dark senses of humor yeah. and uh, you know you you make up your mind you're either going to be a survivor or you're not and i think couple of things that Tracy said earlier resonated with me mm-hmm. a lot. I think a lot of it had to do my my way forward came because I did come from a very stable background. My parents had a Baruch Hashem, a wonderful, wonderful marriage. When my mom died suddenly and unexpectedly, they'd been together almost 70 years. And they had a wonderful marriage. And my mom was a a born survivor. She Mm -hmm. didn't have an easy life. And she did a tremendous amount of community work. She was one of the founders with Fanny and Leon Siegel of the Soul and Siegel Home. Oh, wow. And I grew up with all this kind of positive energy Mm -hmm. around me. It was never poor me. I got breast cancer after my tragedy tragedies had I got it before I think my reaction to it would have been different today I never think about it I never speak about it I have just finished 10 years of hormonal chemotherapy which is wonderful because the side effects were disastrous I had the privilege of having a great team with Dr. Russell Sider Dr. Carol Ann Ben Dr. Vorobioff but I never spoke about the cancer to anybody. I never felt the need to go out and to talk about it or to help others through their cancer because to me it was just an, an inconvenience. Really? You Denise. know, the way I looked at cancer, it was like any other illness. It was like getting an abscess. You had a cut out mm. and you forgot about it. Mm. Took your course of antibiotics and you forgot about it. Didn't allow myself to dwell on it because to me it was secondary anyway mm. to the grief Mm. and as far as the grief went when Gabby walked into my house as on another occasion Sharon Matthews did by that stage I had lost my sister at a very young age to cancer she died at age 56 and my mum who also really most unexpectedly died um, she was in pretty good health and very vibrant and very active at 86 And it was a a big shock to lose her. And then I lost Brett and nine months after Brett, Peter. And then subsequent losses of my father after that and other members of the family. 
But my reaction to the grief would have been traumatic, whichever way you look at it. To lose a child, there's, there's, there's no unless you experience it, unless you know it for yourself. Mm. It's an indescribable mm. pain. Mm. And when Gabby came in the door and Sharon, and as Gabby said earlier, she came dressed like a tart. <laughs> she was brightly dressed <laughs> in her high heels, flamboyant, oh. taking control right. of the room mm. with bright conversation. I just looked at her and I thought, good heavens, never mind Sharon, who just held me and we didn't say a word. Here this girl was coming in and making everybody in that room howl with laughter. Uh-huh. And when I said, no, I don't feel like anything to eat, she said, oh, rubbish, it's the most delicious chocolate cake. Just try it. And she made me chocolate cake. <laughs> you know, everything about her was lighthearted and full of energy. And subconsciously, that experience and the one with Sharon, I think went a lot of the way towards finding healing. As Gabby said, we've had our own personal holocausts because a holocaust is a series of disasters and years of of terrible, excruciating pain that manifests itself physically, as Gus does with Gabby, with fibromyalgia, for me, with various aches and pains. But you learn to cope with it and live with it, Mm. and eventually that wound does heal, but that scar is there. Mm -hmm. And occasionally, the same way as a scar will ache in cold weather, there can be a trigger. It can be, um, I just went with my family on a cruise now, uh, which was wonderful, to the Western Med with my two darling Mm -hmm. grandchildren who were born after I lost my husband and 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 Brett and they have tremendous, tremendous meaning in my life. And I was walking out my cabin and just feeling terribly, terribly heart sore about how much my husband and son had missed out on and how much they would have loved this experience. Mm. And the cabin door next to me opened and a woman came out wearing a shirt and she gave me this broad smile that reminded me of my son. Mm. And she was wearing this shirt that was completely a pattern of dragonflies. Now, to me, that was like a reminder. Dragonflies are known to be a symbol of the afterlife. Immediately, I sure. felt a sense of release that my husband and son were telling me, don't worry, we're here with mm. you. Mm. And you get through those moments. Mm. We found our ways to cope with it. As Gabby said, she she threw herself into her work. My way was after the, just straight after I was diagnosed with cancer, I was asked by 702 to go and see somebody who'd lost a child very recently after a husband. And when I walked away from her, I just felt this huge sense of contentment you know, that, hey, I do have a purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm able to go to somebody Mm -hmm. as Gabby came to me and make them feel better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a spiritual upliftment. It's not like patting myself on the back, hey, Gab. We don't feel like we're patting ourselves on the back because Gabby and I both feel the same. Go out and see somebody who's lost a child and able to show them 
as Gabby uses the expression, how to walk tall again. Yeah. You know, to be able to, to say, look, it's very hard to get on with life, but you can do it. Don't give up. Mm. Don't give up. Go forward. Life is a gift. It's a cliche, but it's true. And you found ways, it's very important after loss to find a way to deal with it. And the worst club in the world came about because... So this is a club that you formed. Yes. And you formed it with Gabby, the worst club well, in the world. Gabby was one of the founding okay. members. All of us who, at that particular time, there were about six of us. Have you heard of it, Tracy? Okay. We'd all lost children and my daughter said to me, I was spending my days as Gabby was and everybody else was running out to people all over. I was going into Alex to Soweto, to the, to Benoni, the East Rand, the West Rand, as far as KwaZulu seeing people. My daughter said to me, you're just immersing yourself in grief all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't run around like this. You've just had cancer. You're not physically strong enough. Let's do a website. And that's how it came about. Mm -hmm. And we all brainstormed it. And it's given people somewhere to go when they're missing their child desperately and they want to go and post a memory or put their birthdays on. I can't go on to it much anymore because I've find myself getting too emotionally involved Mm -hmm. and it has a very detrimental effect on me to be immersed in grief all the time. Mm -hmm. But we still do see people and help people whenever we know of them who've lost children and I'm just grateful that the club is there for people to have somewhere to meet each other in common, those who've lost kids to accidents, to drugs, to suicide. They've got that. They've got that to communicate with each other. Tracy, were you, did you want to say something, yes, please? Yes, I would, I would like to. What I would like to say is in my clinical practice as a psychologist, I've worked with a number of parents who've lost children. And I would just like to say something about what I've seen mm-hmm. and just affirm the massive bravery of these women. And what people, parents have shared with me is that after they lose a child, they want to die. That they often feel that a part of themselves has died and that it is absolutely a catastrophe of the worst order. And I've had, I've had parents share with me that it's a grief that goes on and on in some ways because a parent should never have to lose a child. And as time goes by, there's always the thought about what would the child be doing now and what Mm -hmm. would they be experiencing? Mm. Would it be a birthday? Would it be the grandchildren? So it's an ongoing grief. And for some people, the grief can get worse at times. Mm. That it's not like a completion of a grief, like if you lose a parent or where it's a normal kind of a grief. Because it's such against the natural order, there are times the grief can get much worse. And so there are times that the person can really go back into that dark place of having to reevaluate why am I here? What am I doing here? Because sometimes just getting up in the morning or mm. getting through a day is so absolutely yeah, hundred percent yeah. So 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 let me ask you and and Gabby, you were also you were nodding your head um, when when Very it came to so. that. So when it when <coughs> it does come back, I mean Denise, you were talking about you you have a belief in. 
um, a, a greater belief that your husband and your son are there. They're watching you. They're right. always with you. That fills you with comfort. You had the affirmation when the woman was wearing that shirt. And so I'm not saying the moment passed, but you, you were feeling that way and that's how you it dealt with comfort. it. Gave comfort knowing that they were there. And for you, Gabby, because if you're talking about Tracy, that, that it, it comes back all the time. And how do we deal with this? How, how do you deal with it, Gabby? There are different days that it, there are different times and different days that I deal with it in a different right. way. If I've had a trigger to upset me, even a friend, possibly who said something horrible, that brings it back again. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of go into a little bit of a decline for a while. But I know what to do when that happens to me. Do you? I, I don't go out. I go to my room. I've got two beautiful animals and I've got a nice partner. Basically, you can't load him with it because he's, you know, it's very, un- very difficult living with a grief person, mm-hmm. a, a person that's in grief, mm-hmm. because it doesn't end. No, it doesn't end. So yeah. you living with a bereaved person for the people on the other side, I would say it's not an easy thing, and um, one has to salute those people that hang around and don't bolt with the door. But the friends, they're friends that you met after forty years. And such like who you've known for 40 years basically who are not around for you because they, it's too frightening. Mm, it's too, too much. close. Mm, it's too, too much. And people you had those expectations of are not there. Yeah. But then a stranger, someone will come out of the wood pile and be compassionate mm. and mm. understand. Mm. So that makes it worthwhile again. Mm. Friends are again. essential. Mm. But it definitely the birthdays and the, the dates mm. of, of when they passed are, are, are daunting. There's no question. It's not a walk in the park. Mm. But somehow one does tend to have avenues to <laughs> shopping. <laughs> you said going to Istanbul. <laughs> going to Istanbul and shopping. And doing my business. Mm. That gives me great joy. Mm. Of course, uh, my chocolates give me joy, as you can see. But... You somehow get through the day. You, you just realize it. it's like, like that, they say in, in, in rehab, you know, it's, uh, it's just another day. Mm. You know, take one day Step at a time. At That's mm. all you can do. Mm. You cannot look at the future mm. because the future's bleak mm. when you've lost two children. Mm. They're not going to get married. You're not going to have grandchildren. So basically you have to just live every day mm. with joy. You, what, which, whatever you can take. That's my, mm. all I can say. And Tracy, with, with your clients that you, that you've been speaking about, I mean, is there a, there's, is there one particular way that you deal with grief? Is there something that you do? Do you go back and, and talk about it? I mean, how, how, how do you cope with something like that? Will it just pass and you wait for it to pass? As a therapist, what I've learned is that it's not what I say, but it's in the listening. Okay. It's in the listening, it's in the sitting with the Which people. is why the friends, as Denise is saying, or yes. the club, yes. 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 And I mean, I think that firstly, if people have a purpose in their life, it keeps them going. Sometimes the purpose is other children that are still alive. Sometimes it's the purpose of building a community organization like what these women have done. But for me as a therapist, I really believe that the way I've worked with, with people is to let them cry. That after seven years or eight years and they'll tell me they want to die because they're thinking about their child again, I will sit and listen to the grief and, and, and 
and take it dead seriously, even though I know I can't understand it as a human being because I've never been through it. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that it is a catastrophic grief. And it's, it's something that, that, that is catastrophic because it goes on and on. Mm. And I believe that in the outpouring of the continual grief, when it becomes unbearable, that there is a measure of relief in feeling understood, even mm. if it's not by someone who's totally under, gets your experience. Because one of the, the, the women who I, who I've worked with for many years has said to me that even sometimes people who've lost children don't understand her. Because they may have had a different relationship mm-hmm. with their children and a different experience, exactly a different experience of it. Exactly, I but hear I that. think that that mm. when with it, when you feel someone wants to understand without imposing their own stuff, I think that it's is crucial. Mm-hmm. Denise, you wanted to say something. Uh, I, I agree with what Tracy says a hundred percent. I mean, there are days where I also feel I can't get out of bed, and it's going on eleven years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have tremendous bouts of, of grief that happen and you've just, you've got to allow yourself to cry. I always say to people, a woman phoned me actually last night and she said to me, it's 22 years down the line and she's overcome with grief. Mm. She says she feels guilty because there's so many people losing their children and wars and in Israel and everywhere and here 22 years down the line she feels the need to cry. Mm. I said to her, you have to cry. Mm. You know, it's like when a storm cloud gets too big and too heavy, it has to release the rain. So you've just got to release it. Mm. And don't feel guilty because that pain never leaves you. Mm. You can mask it, but it never leaves you. And there's many a time that all of us who've lost a child, within seconds something can happen and we're in tears. Mm. But you've got to keep in the back of your mind that life is beautiful and that it can go on and you are still able to carry on and not just not allow yourself to become a, you know, a person who sits at the graveside, which some mothers do, they go to the graveside and cry, cry every day. Well, you've got to, if I didn't believe that I was going to see all my family again, I think I would have slashed mm, my wrist. Really? I would have. Yeah. <laughs> There's her black humor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you find that funny? Not the way she said it. <laughs> because, you know, you've got to believe in something. You've got to know uh, that life yeah. goes on. Yeah. And I, I, I keep that going brings. by mm. saying, I will see them. I have no fear of death. Oh, oh. And I will see them again. In the meantime, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy, and I do enjoy, my daughter, bless her, my grandchildren. And it's a blessing. Mm. And I don't think that our departed children would want us, they would not want us to, to fall apart and Kill ourselves. Mm. It, it would be Lauren a, would have been disgusted about such a thing. Mm. Slap mm. you across the face and say, so "Mark, get a laugh, mom." <laughs> she would have said, "Mark, get a laugh." Come on, please. mom. We're going to take a break, but before the break, I, I do just want to say, Tracy, that would you would, that your your friend who called and said she felt so guilty, mm. and I think there's that as well. Is that who says that this is a particular time of mourning, and you can only mourn Correct. for one year or two or three, and as as you've said this recurring, Tracy, this recurring morning. Okay. It's just no having someone, limits. yeah, and having someone who so can understand and listen without judgment that mm. at any time when you are feeling it, that you can, 
express it and you can mourn. And I think it's important for everybody to hear that. Very important. So let's take a break. Walking with Warriors. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. You know, we're having, we're having a laugh because even though we're having this serious discussion, let me tell you what the DL link is like. Let me just give you an, a little bit of a taste of what the DL link does. So Gabby Duchun says that one of the things that gives her comfort is chocolate. And Michelle Goodman of the DL link knows how to make people happy. And she walks in <laughs> and she hands Gabby chocolate. Now, how's that, Gab? That's how, a, how is that? That is an earth angel. That is an earth <laughs> angel. The, uh, D, the DL link, Michelle Goodman, absolutely. I, I just wanted to say that be, before the break, um, Tracy, you were talking about um, some of the, the people that you deal with who, who want to die afterwards. Yes. They just don't want to continue living. Yes. And it's quite interesting, Denise, because you've spoken about being diagnosed with breast cancer, and that was a turning point for you. Wow. That was your turning point. Can you expand on that? It was a turning point because initially, and I, I have to agree with the people who've spoken, the mothers, who fathers as well who've spoken to Tracy, straight after Brett died, just while we were sitting shiver, my daughter said to me one day when everybody had gone, can't dad, you and I, just go and park on a railway line. I can't deny it, and I think Gabby might have felt the same at some stage as well. I know many other people that you do have that feeling, I can't go on, I want to die. It It is there. The thing is that you've got to find your way around that. Mm. And I was thinking that I, I, I can't lie and say mm. I wasn't. Mm. I kept thinking, is it worth going on? Can I manage mm. this life? And then when I was diagnosed with cancer, I thought to myself, well, Here's my chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hashem is saying to you, well, you've said you want to die. If you want to die, now's your chance. Just refuse treatment and you'll die. And I looked at my husband, who was still alive then, and my daughter, and I thought, that's the last thing Brett would have wanted. Mm-hmm. He would have never forgiven himself if... His passing, as tragic as it was, would have caused me to die. And my husband said to me, it's, Brett could never have coped with your loss. Brett and I were so unbelievably close. close. He said he would never have coped with your loss. That's why he went before you. And all these things went through my head, and I thought, you know, no, I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. I'm going to survive this. And my attitude towards the cancer became completely different. Mm. I never for one minute thought that I wouldn't survive it. I had a great team. That was a big part of it. And your team instilled confidence in you, which they did. But I didn't need the morphine drips. I didn't need anything. You know, the the physical pain wasn't even there. The emotional pain was so Mm -hmm. great. So, yeah, that was it. There was no question I was going to survive, and that set the tone for the future. Mm. I feel very sorry for people who, who get cancer because it's not only a shock for you, it's a disaster for the family. You know, when I was growing up, cancer was the C word. Mm. You never spoke about it. You never heard about people with it. And today, when I, the last time I was at Dr. Barobio's rooms, which was a 
couple of weeks ago, I was astonished at the young people who were there having chemotherapy, yeah. but really, really young kids, mm. young women in their 20s. It's not a nice thing to have, but you can survive it these days. Mm-hmm. Tracy, let me ask you what your thoughts are on that. I mean, Denise saying she wanted to die, being diagnosed with cancer, and that being a turning point. Well, she obviously she's saying that she then made a choice. She made a choice. Mm. You know, what I understand about this need to die or this feeling of wanting to die, the way it was explained to me, is that one lives a parallel life, that the grief stays all the time and the feelings of wanting to die can come back at times. And then the other parallel life you live is trying to find meaning, trying to push ahead, trying to look after your other children, etc., etc. And what we've heard now was that you came to a crossroads where it wasn't such a parallel life and you had to make a conscious choice about whether you wanted to fight for your life. Correct. Wow. Wow. Well, when we think about the DL Link issue in the, the studio, I mean, that was born out of um, Devorah Lea passing from cancer. And also you then forming the DL Link. It was something that she wanted. She felt that this was missing in her whole experience. And then you having that purpose and having that mission. How, how does it hear, how does it feel hearing all of this, Mesh? I'm just identifying. Yeah, yeah. I'm identifying, I'm hearing, and uh, as you're saying, Denise, that it's not a walk in the park going through the treatment in it, in any way. But um, if we're able to be of, of value and help to any of the 700 patients that, you know, that, that Essential. in the Dear Link and mm-hmm. with people like Lee, who just now will meet, that's what uh, makes makes a difference in their lives mm. and ours. Mm. In any trauma, support is essential. Yeah. And that's why I think therapy is essential as well. And I always appeal to people if in any kind of, kind of trauma, turn to a therapist. A therapist is there to listen to you unconditionally. Even a handhold that doesn't have to be a a qualified can be a social worker, can be your best friend, but have someone you can turn to and talk to. The therapist gives you a guidance, you know, which is very hard to get objectively from family members or friends. A therapist is qualified to guide you, and I fully, fully believe in therapy. I still see a therapist while I've started again because I felt the need to. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but to be sitting in the studio with you incredible women um, has been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. Bravely sharing your stories. Tracy, thank you so much for your input. You are just too wonderful. It's always a, a real pleasure having you on the show. So Denise and Tracy and Gabby, my love to all three of you. Thank you so much for joining us on the DL Link show. Mish coming in with those bar one chockies. She knows, she knows only too well. We're going to take a break and then our DL Link angel will be joining us. So please don't go away. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. 
Well, it's seven minutes to one o'clock. This is the DL Link Show brought to you by 101.9 High FM. And this is the show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. And it certainly was so insightful and illuminating having Tracy Farber, who's a clinical psychologist in the studio, and Gabby Dochrun and Denise Golden. It was really, really wonderful. So every week we have a DL Link angel who comes onto the show and talks about the fabulous things that they've been doing with the DL Link. So I'd like to welcome Lee Bend, and I've had Lee on the show before. We haven't chatted face-to-face. Lee, come and sit down so you're close to that mic. Um, but it was over December, and Lee was talking about oh, this wonderful, wonderful program that she had introduced for kids over the December holidays, and Lee is at it again and uh, did something um, extraordinary over the July holidays. So, Lee, welcome. You are our DL Link angel. Thank you, Nikki. I sitting next to Michelle and with these special ladies, I really feel like I'm not the angel. It's all of these people. Oh, you, you all the angels, you and it's the, the community who has helped fund. We're running out of funds now. My particular little project, but um, I just want to thank my girls because my young, my 19 and 13 year olds, they're the ones in the July school holidays, we didn't go away again we had 5,000 rand left Mm -hmm. and they said let's do it and because we were on such a tight budget we did a lot of home activities and arts and crafts and we baked biscuits and some of the Dear Link mommies phoned and said these kids were loving these biscuits, we did shape biscuits they wrote their own names out of biscuits so we've had to become creative So Lee, who are you offering? Who were you offering the program to? So through the DL Link, it's kids that kids that we've connected with from the DL Link camp in December. Mm-hmm. We put it out there just to we kept it small because we were on low funds, mm-hmm. and there were a group of fourteen kids that connected with each other that we got together in July, and it was quite sweet, Mish. Two of them had a sleepover; they didn't know each other before our cool kids came, and then in they December. fell in love. And they fell in love. <laughs> sweet, sweet man. Oh, that's lovely. So, now, are these children whose parents have cancer? Um, so th- their parents are, are struggling and you're just giving them an opportunity to forget, right. to so be kids, to have fun. Absolutely. Um, the two kids that fell in love were actually both lost their moms. And it was quite sweet because the one kid said to the other kid, did you also lose your sister? And he said, no, I lost my mommy. And that's how it came about. But we don't focus on that at all. We just mm. take them on outings and have fun. And it's all thanks to the deal link. Mm. So. so so in December, you did great things. I mean, you went to, didn't you do paintballing and you went yes. to Gold Reef City and you did a quick little fundraiser and within a short period of time so many people had given money and then you were just able to do these great things with these kids absolutely so it's the community we went now we went temp and bowling we went to avalanche and then we did the rest of the activities were at our home and we're hoping to continue on sundays just to take the kids out my girls love it on during the week they say what can we plan to do and I just wish they're we your had team. They're our team. They're your team. But we don't, uh, <laughs> we don't have transport, so that's why we need to keep it just to a few small groups. I wish we had big buses that we could take. I wish there were no kids that we needed to take. That's the bottom that's line. That's the bottom line. But they are, and so you are doing this. And so if anyone's listening right now, and I mean, what do you need? Do you need something from the community? I mean, we've got October holidays coming up. There are more December holidays. 
What are you looking for? Well, it, uh, one of the, it's interesting, one of the community members saw us at Avalanche and last week arrived with 10 tickets, vouchers, for a place, Mish, called City Rock in Randburg. I'd never heard of it. Oh, wow. She saw us there. She asked what was going on because she recognized some of the kids were on our davening group. And so that's, if anyone's got anything spare or funds or any nice ideas, activities, money, we welcome at any time. So how should they get hold of you directly or do they get hold of the DL link? What, what do they, what do they do? Either. Okay, great. so let's get your details, uh, Lee. What 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 okay. number can people contact you on? So they can on? contact me on zero eight three zero eight three five double four five double four double nine double nine double seven double seven. Okay, fantastic. Thanks. So that's if they've got anything to give, um, any ideas. If they want to volunteer as well, help with lifts. If they've got some cash that they'd like to give, and this is for these wonderful school holidays to look after the kids and just take them on these these and great just to outings. have fun and forget. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you can contact Lee directly on 083-544-9977. And, of course, you can always get hold of the DL link on 011-485-3269. That number again, 011-485-3269. Lee, thank you so much. You are truly an angel. An angel. And Mish, so lovely to have you in the studio, even if it was for a short while with a packet of chocolates in your hand. Michelle's always handing things out to people. Always, always giving. We love you, Mish. We, we love, love you, you. Nick. It's uh, just a, a minute and a half away from one o'clock. It's that time to say goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. If there's anything you'd like us to focus on during the shows, please do give us a call. Um, you can uh, contact us via the DL link and uh, we'll make sure that um, we have the kind of show that you want to listen to. Thank you so much for tuning in. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, you take care. Goodbye. Hi, FM.